I think it's pretty well known that men have a lower life expectancy than women. In short, men die younger. Now, there are many thoughts about why men have a lower life expectancy than women. Diet, habits, jobs, etc. I'd like to put forward that one of the main reasons is fire. Stereotypically, at least, in the bygone era when I was a young man back in Jersey, boredom was a prevalent thing. There weren't all sorts of technological means by which to vanquish boredom, and we would even have to go searching for friends. Sure, we could call their houses, but oftentimes they weren't home and no one knew where they were. Or maybe there was just a vague idea. Justin's not here. He might be with Jeff. I'm not sure. He left a few hours ago on his bike. Parents didn't know where we were or what we were doing the majority of the time. No phones to check in, no way of knowing. We were left to our own devices when it came to making time pass. And of course, time passes better with others. Some of the best places to pass time with others were houses where parents weren't around. Those were the absolute best. If it was a time of day when parents would be around, we would convene at some location like a convenience store or a spot in the woods, and then we would come up with things to do to combat the boredom. Now, all of this was for boys. I was a boy, that's what we did. What young women of the day did to pass the time, I'm not sure. I know from growing up with my younger sister that there were many hours spent on the phone and at friends' houses talking. There was a lot of talking. Listen, more than once, my sister would call a friend on the phone and they would watch the same MTV show at different houses while talking about the show over the phone. Now that I think about it, I guess it was our generation's version of live tweeting. We boys, our sisters hogging the phone and often not having much to say to each other, took to other avenues of passing the time. What would we do? Well, a lot of times, something would get set on fire. We all smoked, so our cigarettes were set on fire. Old Christmas trees would be set on fire. And then there was Aquanet hairspray stolen from our sisters would be set on fire and turned into flamethrowers. And back then, there was a lot of hairspray in New Jersey, so there was a lot of flamethrowers made. We boys would often discuss and argue about what would burn and how well. Basically, we were pyromaniacs burning our way through boredom. One time of the year that would always bring about a long bouts of boredom in New Jersey was the winter. Days were cold and gray and short. Nights were colder and darker and longer. It was a bleak, boring place during the winter. Sometimes snow would break up the boredom. When we were little, a snow day was for sledding and building snowmen. Do you want to build a snowman? But as we got older, snow days became sources of boredom, especially to disaffected youths like myself and my friends. We were too old to go down to the park with the little kids and sled, and if we built snowmen, we would find bottles or sticks or anything phallic we could find to make our snowmen anatomically correct. We would end, so, you know, we would end up at somebody's house whose parents were at work and we would be bored together, stuck inside with fewer options for setting things on fire. No, not outside of a fireplace. But there was this one time I had a cache of illegal, at least in New Jersey, fireworks. I don't even remember how we were, where we got them. I'm, I'm pretty sure, though, that it was related to some trip to the south and one of those places on the side of I-95 with a huge sign claiming they sold the world's best fireworks. So in the house, there was this whole bag full of firecrackers and bottle rockets and cherry bombs and suspect M-80s that I think came from some family friend with military connections. The house I was living in at the time had a sliding glass door that opened up to the fenced-in backyard. We didn't have those uh, eight-foot privacy fences around the whole thing so we could do all sorts of things in the backyard without being seen. Like this one time when it wasn't winter, 
and my older sister-in-law was staying with us, and she was taking advantage of the privacy fence. And the fact, she thought, no one was at home to sunbathe topless in the backyard. But someone was home. Someone saw her out there. Topless. It was an accident, I, I swear. And the only fireworks involved in that one were the ones that went off in my 13-year-old mind. But, I digress. Let's get back to the other fireworks, the real ones. It was a snow day, and we were bored. Several friends had shown up at my house since my mother worked long hours, so there were no adults to be found anywhere near us. And a couple of those friends were even girls. So at least on that day, a couple of girls were doing the same thing as us to pass the time. After a while, the boys at least, had begun tired, tired of talking. And uh, that was the girl's idea originally anyway. And we were trying to think of something else to do. Justin, my best friend, was standing half in and half out of the sliding glass door smoking his cigarette. He commented on how smooth the snow was in the backyard. No one had walked out there yet. He flicked his cigarette into the clean, unbroken snow. There's something exciting about marring something beautiful, and, and that kind of excitement is really appealing to certain teens, teens like we were. Looking at that little hole the cigarette made in the snow, I had the epiphany that the backyard was a perfect canvas for judging the explosive power of the fireworks I knew were stashed in the house. When I mentioned the fireworks, Justin's eyes lit up, not unlike the way mine did when I saw my sister-in-law that one time. Anyway, we announced our plan to the gathered hooligans. We would stand at the back door and take turns lighting firecrackers and throwing them into the freshly fallen snow. Points would be awarded to the biggest craters created or the farthest flung or to the one who held the lit firecracker the longest before throwing. Now, none of the points would matter beyond the esteem of the other hooligans present and... In all honesty, the points weren't even calculated. It was just understood that everything is, at its core, a competition. For a while, no one snow crater at a time, the boredom was blown away. There was also the thrill that some neighbor might come uh, home and, and might eventually call the police about all the explosions. That risk added to alleviating the boredom. Things exploded. Girls laughed and shrieked. Guys strutted around. It was good times. Boredom was nowhere to be found. But eventually... The wonder started to wear off. There weren't that many places left for craters within our throwing distance, and we had used up most all of the bigger firecrackers. We needed a bigger explosion, or else the boredom would come back, and maybe the girls would leave. I remember that my older brother had left some gunpowder behind when he and my sister-in-law had moved out. He was in the military at one point, and he also had one of those old Civil War-era cap-and-ball pistols that he needed to, the black powder to hand-pack the bullets. I went and got the black powder can. We needed something to hold the black powder. So I fashioned a hollow ball of tinfoil about the size of an apple. We poured the black powder into the tinfoil and fashioned a fuse out of a paper towel wrapped tightly around a narrow core of black powder. And we set the tinfoil bomb in the snow. And then I lit the fuse and we ran to the house. The fuse sort of worked. Then it stopped. I elected to go and check and relight the fuse. As you can tell, I've never really had a healthy sense of self-preservation. I made it to our little tinfoil bomb, and the fuse was totally out. I relit it. It went out. I relit it. It went out. It was getting very close to the cord, but I was determined to get something out of this thing. Besides, my friends were shouting encouragement in their own ways. The boys egging me on, and the girls were begging me to be careful. Both methods worked equally. The last time I lit the fuse, it hit the black powder at its core and rushed down into the tinfoil before I could do more than flinch back. A plume of fire and smoke shot up out of the top of the tinfoil ball. The hair in my hand was singed off as I fell backwards into the snow. Whoops and hollers greeted the whole thing as everyone, myself included, laughed about it. Boredom was gone again. 
But now, I wanted to outdo myself. Remember, everything is a competition. I realized that to have an explosion, you need the gunpowder to be under pressure. I remembered watching my brother pack those antique bullets. I needed a cylinder and a packing agent. A quick survey of available materials in my room turned up a hollow dumbbell bar that was plugged on both ends by plastic end caps. I removed the cap from one end and I figured the bottom plug needed to be reinforced, so I used a bunch of, well, duct tape. I mean, duct tape will fix anything, right? Then I started pouring in black powder. I stopped when the tube was about halfway full of black powder. For those of you following along at home, that is a shit ton of black powder. I wadded up a paper towel and shoved it down the tube with the handle of the wooden spoon from the kitchen. I figured that instead of a fuse, I would just light a small firecracker and drop it into the tube and that would set the whole thing off. The next decision I made was probably the most suspect of all of the bad decisions I made that day. I decided to hold the now literal pipe bomb. I have no idea why I didn't just make a baseboard in the snow and set it off outside. I think it had to do with the fact that I was cold and wet after my fall on the snow earlier, and I didn't want to go back outside. So we opened the back door, and I sat sort of, you know, crisscross applesauce with the newly fashioned pipe bomb between my feet and being held up by one hand. I took a firecracker and bent the fuse over the top of the open pipe so that the fuse burned, the firecracker would fall down in the pipe and ignite the gunpowder. My friends were all in, I think. I also think they really had no idea what the hell was going to happen. So I lit the firecracker, and as the fuse burned down, it fell into the tube, and it went off. Bang. Not a big bang, just bang. Nothing else. It's very anticlimactic. I thought quickly about what could have gone wrong. It must be that the paper towel wad was too big and the firecracker didn't get to the gunpowder below. The solution was obvious. More gunpowder. So I added more gunpowder on top of the paper towel plug. Did I mention that I don't have a healthy sense of self-preservation? Anyway, now I have a pipe bomb between my legs again, now with more gunpowder. I set up the second firecracker with the fuse bent over the lip. I lit the fuse and it fell into the tube. And that's when the tube became a pipe bomb. The explosion was instantaneous. It was loud, a very big bang. The room filled with smoke. Then the pain started to register as everyone screamed around me. I thought my legs had been blown off at first. My eyes burned from the flash and the smoke. The smoke cleared a little over the next few seconds. And through the fog of pain and wafting smoke, I saw my legs were still attached and they were on fire. I jumped up. How? I don't know. All right. I just, the next thing I knew, I was up on my feet and the pain was blinding. I turned and ran toward my friends behind me. I yelled, I'm on fire. They screamed and moved. I ran down the hallway toward the bathroom, still screaming, I'm on fire. I stumbled, trailing smoke into the bathroom and into the shower and turned it on all the way. There was an audible pssssss as the water hit my legs and began to put out my pants. I yelled. It was guttural. No words. I just yelled and yelled as the cold water hit my seared skin, and I grabbed the bar on the shower door to stop from falling over. I thought for sure I was going to pass out. I was almost disappointed I didn't. Eventually, after I stopped yelling, Justin came into the bathroom to check on me. I was fully clothed, soaking wet, and trembling, looking down at what was left of my pants, charred holes up and down my legs. 
He let me know that they'd put out the fire on the floor. The explosion had blown a hole through the carpet and the padding underneath and was only stopped by the subfloor. The hole was about a foot and a half across. A combination of good and bad craftsmanship stopped that pipe bomb from flinging shrapnel everywhere and gutting me to bits. The good craftsmanship of the steel tube and the shoddy craftsmanship of the reinforcing of the bottom plug by me. Apparently, and thankfully, duct tape did not hold back the explosion. The explosion out of the bottom of the pipe ignited my legs, the carpet, and blew the bottom plug right between my legs. I was about an inch or so from the, uh, to the left from being taken out of the gene pool. And based on this story, by the way, it's still questionable that I was allowed to pass along my genes to my children. But back in the shower, after the sizzle and steam had subsided, I set about getting my pants and shoes off. Let's just say they were intent on sticking around. Tweezers were involved when bits stuck to my legs. I ended up doing all the trauma care myself. Shortly after the explosion, when everyone was sure I still had all my limbs and appendages, they all left. They didn't want to be around when my mom came home to find holes in the floor and in her son. I had plenty of painful time that evening to think of a lie to tell her about what happened to me in the carpet. In the end, she believed the lie. Or maybe she just didn't want to know the truth. Either way, I was a liar. A liar about why my pants were on fire.